quite unusual. Hey everybody and welcome to the Quite Unusual Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Noelle. And we are your hosts. And this is a podcast in which we tell you a little story about something strange because we're weird and we like weird things. So super weird. So weird. But would rather rather have it that way. Normal's boring. I feel like if you're not weird, what are you? Boring. 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 You know what else is boring? Huh? Uh, Nick Nolte needing noodles. (laughs) That's our warm-up exercise. Every time, this one time only. Nick Nolte needing noodles. Nick Nolte needing noodles. (laughs) My crayons and my X-Acto knife came in. (laughs) Well, how many how many of those do you have to do? I have five? to do five. Okay. Um, and I feel like people are really excited to get a carved crayon with their name in it. Yes, and I feel like they're going to be very disappointed when they see that it's a crayon <laughs> that I have scratched a name into. It sounds cooler than well, it is. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'll put it on their desk or like their nightstand and think of you every time they see it. Oh, yeah. Nice. They're probably more excited for the stickers. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, I am going to unwrap like the little label on the crayon and mm. cut off a piece of my hair and put a curse on it and put it underneath the wrapper and then super glue it back. Mm. So that's exciting. Can we stick one of my thumbnails in there for like Yeah. To add to the curse? Oh yeah. We okay. can get it from the thumbnail jar. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've been keeping your clippings. Oh. Well Is that this is <laughs> This is awkward. What? You said you said to throw them out and it just seemed wasteful. I mean, I only ever clip my toes and my thumbs and my hands at your house. So. I know. Well, that's good for me because it fills up my jar of clippings. <laughs> so jar jar o clippings. This is the weirdest intro and I almost feel like we shouldn't use it. I f- I f- yeah, I feel like wh- should we? I don't know. We did say we were weird. That's true. It's fitting. This is like a very fitting. Uh, I feel like some people might have turned this off by now because we're talking about toenail clippings. I wouldn't blame you. Well, so should we talk about what we're actually going to get to be talking about now? Yes. Okay. Um, Do you sort of feel like you have been living, breathing, eating, drinking Mothman? Yes. For like the last fucking year? Absolutely. Well, I feel like. Whenever I, I hear the Mothman or he just comes back in my life, I just get so absorbed. Yeah. Like when I first saw the movie, uh-huh. I don't even know when it came out. I was probably like 12. I'm gonna, Seems about right. I want to say ish. A long time ago. Time long time is ago. a social construct, but you know. Yeah. I was obsessed. Real? With it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. I thought Mothman was like outside my window trying to get in all the time. It scared the shit out of me. <sighs> okay. I am also obsessed with this movie mm. and have seen it one time and I saw it two weeks ago for the first time in my life. Oh. I wanted to okay. see it so bad when I was young. Like so fucking <laughs> bad. I just had this like image in my head of it being like the best movie mm. ever. It's a pretty good movie. It's, I will say it holds up. I rewatched yeah. it a couple weeks ago. It holds up. It is good. I love Richard Gere also. Mm. I'll just put that out there. Yeah. I'm not um, a fan of Laura Linney, though. She kind of annoys me. She's okay. In some, yeah. Is it because of Ozark? 
I actually like her in Ozark. That's the one thing I like her in. Oh, yeah. Everything else, I'm just like, she's annoying. I like Laura Linney. She's okay. Mm. Can we talk about the book? Okay, so mm. little background here, people. Yeah. Um, Nicole and I were doing, obviously, The Mothman. And <laughs> if you haven't guessed. Yes. <laughs> Surprise, bitches. Um, and, like, everything to do with that whole scenario. Yeah. So we have read a thousand books. Well, listen to audiobooks, mm-hmm. watched a million documentaries. Oh, so many. Um, I'm currently working from home, so it's always on in the background of just me working. So I'm working from the office, and I tried to put it on in the background, <laughs> and I almost got caught, so I turned it off. Oh. I was so scared. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we've been just like consuming all sorts Everything of Mothman, Mothman content. Yes, for like two and a half weeks. Yeah. And it's intense. It's a fun world to live in. It's fun and it's dark. And I'm just going to say this. Okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. John Keel yeah. is problematic. Why? Why is John Keel problematic to you? Okay. So you obviously listened to slash read the Mothman prophecies. Yeah. I listened. I listened to it. We're, I also, we're not, we're not going to lie. I also listened to it. <laughs> I sent you the book. <laughs> yes. You super did. Um, he uses a lot of words in there it that was, are it, problematic. Yeah, it was the time. It was the 60s, That's 70s. True. So, yeah, I know a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of that stuff is cringy. Very cringeworthy. But mm-hmm. Keel is, I, I I love him. Oh, my God. I just love him. Team Keel, for sure. Team for Keel. sure. I also just want to point out, though, how he's, like, really weird at, like, describing the women in these cases he's like she was tall and had a goose-like neck and i said honey you could trot around this race course all day long i was like john that has nothing to do with the story what are you doing settle down john he gets a little wild he said one woman could like oh my god what was it i was offended by it in a way it was like um if she oh she was flat as a board if she tried to enter a Raquel Welch lookalike contest she'd come in last place (laughs) it's like okay what does this have to do with anything I mean yeah you don't have to explain that in your book about Mothman but get back to the monsters and let's talk about titties come on John (laughs) what are you doing a lot of people don't know this but John is actually all about the titties it's true so he invented Sex Panther the fragrance (laughs) So we will start the actual content here about Mothman, but I will first leave us with this quote by John, quote unquote, Titties Keel. <laughs> Men have always gazed at the night sky and dreamed of other worlds. Okay, so I think what a lot of people don't actually know about the whole Mothman case is that the Mothman wasn't just the only weird thing that was happening in West Virginia around this time. I mean, the book goes into these things a little bit, The movie kind of touches on one thing, but we want to give you the full story and the full package. So before we even get to the Mothman and Point Pleasant, we're going to talk about a few other strange happenings that kind of led up to the Mothman, I guess you can say. Yeah, the Mothman is just like the tip of this whole iceberg. Yeah, for sure. He gets the fame and everyone else is doing the hard work. Well, he's the the best. He's the man. He is the man. The Mothman. Okay, so the first one we have is the Flatwoods Monster. So excited. Do you want to hear about it? I do. Okay, so we're going to transport you back to September 12th, 1952, 
in the town of Flatwoods, West Virginia, in Braxton County, and it is a very, very small town, like less than 300 people small. Very small. Super tiny. Hop in the DeLorean. We're going back in time. (laughs) Ready? 88 miles per hour. DeLorean noises. Yay. Okay, so we have Edward May, Freddie May, Neil Nunley, and Tommy Heyer, and they were all outside playing at Flatwoods Elementary School around dusk. When they saw a shooting red streak across the sky. It's already exciting. Mm. Starts off strong. <laughs> the boys, who were between the ages of 10 and 13, decided that it looked like whatever had fallen out of the sky had fallen near G. Bailey Fisher's farm, and they decided to go investigate. What does the G stand for? Uh, guy? I don't know. I that guy, Bailey Fisher. <laughs> Perfect. Guy Bailey Fisher. Guy Bailey Fisher. So Edward and Freddie May's house was on the way to the farm, so they stopped in and told their mom, Kathleen May, what they had seen. Kathleen thought it best that the boys not go alone, so she called a boy, 17-year-old boy. Basically an adult in West Virginia in 1952. I mean, basically, yeah. His name was Eugene Lemon. That's so cute. I know, adorable. Also known as Gene. And he was a 17-year-old National Guardsman, and she also called their dog Richie, and all of them made their way to the site. When the five boys, along with Kathleen and the dog, arrived at the scene, a horrid mist was lingering in the air, along with a terrible smell. Uh Uh-oh. A smell that some people describe as being a sulfur-like smell. And it was so bad that some of them even got nauseous and even vomited from the stench. That makes sense because sulfur is gross. Disgusting. And we know what comes with mist and sulfur. Aliens. Aliens. (laughs) So up the hill, the group also saw what they described as a pulsing red light. Eugene was carrying a flashlight and decided to shine it in the direction of the light. The group saw... A 10-foot-tall creature with a head or a hood, it's not clear, shaped like a spade. Okay. Spooky. The creature had a red face with glowing orange eyes, a black or green body, and appeared to be dressed in a sort of dark-colored metalish dress. Okay, so it has like this sort of like metallic overlaid like cape situation. Yeah, it's like this long dress thing with we don't know if it's the shape of the head that was a spade or if it was just the hood of the dress could be either or okay kathleen said that the creature had long claws like hands and that it looked as if it were hovering above the ground so the dress is just the end of the dress is just kind of like hovering above the ground that's very like spectral yeah spooky did it how is it hovering? Do we know? Does it have like wings? It doesn't have wings. Nobody reported that it had wings. Okay. I guess it was just hovering above the ground. Just hovering above the ground. That's scarier than having wings. <laughs> like honestly, <laughs> something just floating. Yeah. So, when the creature noticed the group, it made a loud hissing noise and glided towards them. They were terrified. Oh, uh, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> So they ran away from the site as fast as they could and reported what they had seen to local authorities. The police went out to the area to look, but they found nothing. But 
they did notice a disgusting smell while investigating. So the same sulfur smell. Same sulfur smell. Interesting. The day after this was reported to the police, another sighting of a strange creature that fit the description of the Flatwoods monster was reported. George and Edith Snitowski and their 18-month-old son were driving along Route 4 when, out of nowhere, their car died. <gasps> Super scary. <laughs> in Yeah. Just, just having, like, a car malfunctioning in West right. Virginia. Mind you that they didn't have cell phones either. No. So they're fucked. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, you're fucked. Cry. Exactly. I would probably cry. So with no one else on the road, the Snitowskis were pretty screwed. And then all of a sudden... They started to smell a foul odor. And Edith was like, George, are you fucking kidding me? We're straight <laughs> on the side of the road. Okay. I know you had a lot of beans for breakfast, but you know what, bud? You're going to need to hold it together. You're going to need to hold it together. The baby's crying in the background. Yes. So they witnessed a bright light and then they spotted a creature about 10 feet tall, just like the others had spotted. Mm floating in front of their car oh my god that'd be so fucking scary (laughs) they described the monster almost exactly like the previous group except this time he wasn't wearing his spade hooded metallic dress alpha change he's going uh he's in his birthday suit now apparently so they claim that the creature had a lizard-like skin and looked reptilian oh shit dude the reptilians a floating reptile this we is where we're at. Pause on this one second. Let's do a whole reptilian episode. Yes. Because. Lizard people. So into it. I have goosebumps. Tell me more about this lizard man. Okay. So the lizard man swiped his lizard hand across the hood of the car and then floated away into the woods. Oh, it's pretty casual. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, guys. Swipe. Bye. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> So when the monster was gone, the car miraculously started and the Snitowskis got the hell out of Dodge. Wow. How interesting. It's almost like there was some sort of like lizardy force <laughs> keeping the car from starting so he could do weird lizard shit like wipe his hand across the hood of their car. And then just float away and not say anything. That is the most awkward <laughs> shit ever. The most lizardy thing. That is like classic textbook lizard right there. Okay. <laughs> We have a bearded dragon, and all she does is swipe her little lizard hand over things and then go, bye, and float away. And floats away. (laughs) It's annoying. It's honestly, it's very rude. So actually, in fact, a number of other people came forward and said that they also experienced something similar. A 21-year-old girl and her mother claimed to have seen the creature about a week before September 12th, and the girl was still in clarksburg hospital recovering from it oh wow so she was so shaken up by their encounter she was still in the hospital that's insane many people after spotting this creature experienced nausea irritated throats and vomiting for several days after witnessing this thing i feel like this is a thing that we see a lot from like not necessarily just reptilians, but like aliens or poltergeist activity. Yeah. It's like you get physically, physically ill. Yeah. I know. 
from like i don't know something disturbing yeah, i wonder why i don't know it's very strange i can only assume it's like just going off on tangent city right now <laughs> just like it has to be some sort of like weird energy thing that like goes through your body yeah and just like you can't your human your weak human physical form can't <laughs> handle it or something it's too crazy and strange that you're just like your body goes into shock <laughs> yeah pretty much So newspapers and radio stations around the country went wild with this story. In fact, even Project Blue Book, who we spoke about previously in Roswell, they got involved. So they're basically, if I don't know if you guys have listened to our Roswell episode, but just a brief on what Project Blue Book is. They're basically a part of the U.S. Air Force that was dedicated to studying UFOs in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, um, definitely go back and listen to the Roswell episode because it's one of our best ones, in my opinion. <laughs> I really liked it. And I mean, these little Project Blue Book people yeah. coming up and like, what a sweet gig, man. There was a show on, I think, A&E called Project Blue Book. Really? But I think it got canceled super soon. I don't think it was that great. People never really talk about it. So that to me seems like it probably wasn't that good. Can you imagine working for the government and they're just like, yeah, we're going to need you to investigate aliens, but also you get that sweet, sweet military pension at the end. That's a dream of mine. Sign me up. Recruiters, where are you? Fox Mulder. Oh. I'll be your Scully. Mulder. I'll be your Scully. More like, I can't think of a sexual innuendo for Scully. (laughs) Many people were interested in this story and came to interview the people who had witnessed the monster. One of those people being Gray Barker, Mm. who wrote about the Flatwoods monster and many other things regarding ufology and UFOs. I'd like to say something about Gray Barker. Do it. So he wrote a lot about aliens and paranormal stuff like that. And I think his work is important to the paranormal community and ufology. He's like a big name for sure. He is. But... It's come out that he didn't actually believe in any of it. And he, in fact, sometimes created or participated in hoaxes. Right. Like, he wasn't even, like, a skeptic. He was just, like... He used it basically for money. He was, like, the Zach Bagans of... (laughs) How dare you? In this house? You malign Zach Bagans? No, it's fine. (laughs) Well, I mean, he basically just did it all for money. So anything that he said or did his credibility is just kind of like shit now in my opinion you yeah know? he's like a big like huckster yeah type of guy so when it comes to him and keel uh we're we're team keel over barker just saying i mean i always say keel is for real gray can just go away <laughs> that's true that's something that she says all the time that's what my lower back tattoo says actually it's my tramp stamp <laughs> So the U.S. Air Force and Project Blue Book claimed that what everyone saw that night was just a regular meteor falling out of the sky. Oh, was it? Convenient. Are you sure it wasn't a weather balloon, Project Blue Book? (laughs) Meteors can sometimes emit a sulfur-like smell. So that's why they're like, oh, it was just a meteor. They also say that the monster that everyone saw was nothing more than a barn owl. Heavy breathing over here. Wow. (laughs) Right. Because, you know, the description given by witnesses just screams barn owl. Every single barn owl I have ever seen has scales. They all hover. They don't have wings. Glowing red eyes. Orange eyes. Absolutely have glowing orange eyes. (laughs) Um, They hiss. 
They swipe their claws over the hoods of cars, <laughs> give the peace sign, and say, bye, Mitch. That's true. They do swipe their claws over cars all the time. It's pretty much like a thing that they do. They're known for They're it. so known for mm-hmm. it. I'd also like to bring up that a similar explanation was given about another case that we covered. If you remember the Kelly Hopkinsville goblin story, yeah. they tried to explain that away with owls, too. So it seems to be a popular fallback strategy for sightings. Yes. If it's not a weather balloon, it's an owl. If it's not an owl, it's a sandhill <laughs> crane, which we will see later. Yes. It's like, I am so sick of them giving owls and birds and weather balloons bad names yeah. because they're just minding their own business. Right. And the U.S. government blames them for everything. They do. It's insane. It's insane. So barn owls apparently hiss when they're being threatened. Okay. Which, whatever. Sure. Kathleen described that the creature had claw-like hands, which they believe were the owl's talons outstretched flying at her. Oh, really? Did it stretch to be 10 feet tall? (laughs) Because every owl I've seen is like the size of a bottle of wine. And also, was it wearing a metallic dress <laughs> owls are very fashionable so i won't say it's whether true. or not it was wearing a dress metallic was very in that year too it was absolutely so, mm. 1952 the year of metallics <laughs> so hot so all of those things were brought up but no one can really explain the color or the fact that the thing was wearing the the dress the spade because owls don't look like spades no it's just another way to explain things away yep anyways the town of flatwoods totally embraces this creepy cool monster <laughs> Which, of course, why would you not? How can you not? Their town sign even reads, Welcome to Flatwoods, home of the green monster. Very cool. There's also a Flatwoods monster museum. <gasps> and you can buy novelty, which I I want one. If anyone has one or if anyone can send me one. Oh, my God. You can buy novelty Flatwoods monster ceramic lanterns. <gasps> And they're sold, apparently, all throughout the area. They're so cool. I want one so bad. If we have any listeners in West Virginia, reach out to us because we want one of these I will. I will pay you to send me it. There's also a restaurant called The Spot where you can get monster-themed food and five Flatwoods monster chairs that are just scattered around Braxton County. That's fun. Super fun. If you visit all five chairs and take selfies with these chairs, Yeah, you can go home with a free Braxy sticker. Braxy is another nickname that they use for the monster. It's very cute. So if you take all your picture, all these pictures with each of the five chairs, you go to like their town hall yeah. or something, they'll give you a free sticker. That's so fun. <laughs> Isn't it fun? Can we go? I want to go. So, I mean, I guess let's add Flatwoods, West Virginia to the list of places that we need to go. And let's continue our trip back through time through West Virginia and talk about one of my favorite encounters ever. I love this story. And also, I just want to put this out there. You mentioned going on like a little tour of like fun places and stuff and things. You know how people do like pub crawls? Oh. Can we do like a cryptid crawl? A cryptid crawl. (gasps) Hey, my, my honeymoon's canceled this year. So oh, R.I.P. Let's do a cryptid crawl instead. When God closes a honeymoon, he opens a cryptid crawl. <laughs> so here we go. There you have it. All right, people, get ready. Strap it in for my favorite freaking story. Android cold. He's yes. so cool. He's so cool. He's the best. I have a borderline unhealthy obsession with this whole situation. Same. 
I'm obsessed. Same. Injured Cold, for those of you that might not know, is an alien? Question mark. Mm. We're not 100,000% sure. Yeah. It's one of the, one of the most, I would say, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Infamous? Notorious. Infamous encounters. Well, an encounter that, I mean, just... It's so different from everything else, too. Yeah. It's almost like the cornerstone mm. of like this type of like alien extraterrestrial yes. encounter. Yeah. So injured cold. I'm obsessed. And also, if I ever produce offspring, I'm probably just going to name it injured. No lie. That is the coolest thing I've ever Pretty heard. Pretty cool, right? I wonder if anyone actually has named their child injured. I don't know. Well, one person did. Injured Cold's mom. <laughs> so Injured Cold is first believed to have been on the scene in October 16th, on October 16th in mm. 1966. He was seen by two boys, Martin Mouse and James Jimmy. So we'll refer to them as Mouse and Jimmy because that's way more fun. Totally. He was seen in New Jersey at first, which Jersey. is, yeah, the cesspool of America. So <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Because our story obviously takes place like in and around West, West Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. So this is, I mean, sort of the first time mm. we've seen him. Okay. So these boys, they're walking on 4th Street when they saw a strange figure standing near a fence. And they walked closer to see that the figure was a very tall, bald man wearing a metallic green suit. And he was staring right at them. And he had a giant, unnervingly large overly happy grin Ooh, the grinning man yes think like joker style mm. grin yes. but not like heath ledger like joker like think more Joaquin? jack mm, i was gonna go jack nicholson, jack nicholson. Mm, joker. yeah jack nicholson joker for mm-hmm. sure absolutely so out of nowhere this man just starts chasing these two boys they run away okay. they escape and then they are telling the story later and this is a quote So Mouse says, Jimmy nudged me and said, who's that guy standing behind you? I looked around and there he was behind the fence, just standing there. He pivoted around and looked right at us. And then he grinned a big old grin. And then he ran after them? Yes. That's terrifying. So scary, right? (laughs) This giant man with this creepy smile just chasing you. Yeah. The boys reported that the man in the green suit was unusually tall and he had unnatural facial features. They also said he lacked ears and a nose. Hmm. Now, he never spoke to the boys, and we don't actually have confirmation that this is, in fact, injured cold. Right. But it's believed to be him or at least someone from his planet. Yeah. Based on his outfit and his grin, which is exactly how Woodrow Derenberger will go on to describe him. Yeah, the grin, I think, is... That's pretty important, but also the green suit that pops up in this story and just, I think in encounters with aliens, like the metallic green suit or yeah, it's always something metallic, which is funny because in movies it's always, you associate like metallic yeah with aliens and stuff, but I've never heard of him not having an ear or a nose. Me either. And this which is weird. I mean, I saw this story pop up in a couple of places, so I'll yeah. believe it. Whether or not it was injured cold, I'm unsure. Yeah, I'm on the fence about that one. Maybe a relative or someone from the same planet. Mm-hmm. I'll go with that. Or a neighboring planet that's like bad because he was chasing him. That could you know? be. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who is Woodrow Derenberger? 
Mm. I brought him up. Maybe I should explain who he yep. is. He's the main source of information when it comes to injured cold. So I'm going to kind of go over his story. This is going to seem heavy on the Woody here, but <laughs> like I said, he's, Woody. Yeah, he's our main source. So the second time we'll say that injured cold was seen was on November 2nd, 1966. Woodrow Derenberger, but everyone called this guy Woody. So I'm just going to call him Woody going mm. forward. It was shortly after 6 p.m. in the evening when Woody was driving home from his job as a sewing machine salesman at J.C. Penney's in Marietta, Ohio. Oh, bless his heart. I know. It's so cute. It's, it's adorable. Totally like a 1966 yeah. job, right? <laughs> to his farmhouse in Mineral Wells, West Virginia. The night was very misty and it was overcast. As Woody came up to the intersection of I-77 and Route 47, he thought he saw a semi-truck tailgating him without its lights on, which was super unnerving. Yeah. So he swerved to the side of the road, and then the vehicle took flight over his van and parked across the street, blocking all of the lanes. Yep, definitely not a semi-truck. Probably not at this point. (laughs) So this craft, we're going to call it, hovered about 10 inches from the ground. Woody came to a full stop when he realized that this was not a semi-truck and it was blocking the road. And he realized that he was face-to-face with a real-life alien spacecraft. Mm. He described it as a, quote, old-fashioned kerosene lamp chimney flaring at both ends, narrowing down to a small neck and then enlarging in a great bulge in the center. Can I say that I had to look up what a, an old-fashioned kerosene lamp shape was because I was not I was picturing like a cylinder. Oh yeah. In my head. And then I was like, I don't think. So I had to look it up and it's like it almost kind of looks like a vase. Yeah. Like a very pretty vase. It like bulbs out. Yeah, it bulbs out, yeah. Yeah, pretty. Well, on this kerosene lamp spacecraft situation, <laughs> A door opened, and the door is described, which I think is very fun, as sort of just like a car door, just like a regular like <laughs> door that kind of pops open, very casual. Right. And this very tall, sort of dark-skinned man with an unsettlingly large grin, Ooh. he steps out of this vehicle. Woody described the man as being probably about 35 years of age, trim build, about six feet tall. He said he was about 185 pounds. He had dark eyes, dark hair, slicked straight back. So a pretty attractive looking guy. He's fit. He's tall. Slicked back hair. Who would play him in a movie? Oh. We'll come back to it. I'll let you think while yeah, I keep you talking, let me okay? Think. Okay. So this man wore a long dark coat, and beneath the coat, Woody was able to glimpse the fabric of his quote unquote uniform. And it was, surprise, super glisteny and metallic and dark green. There you go. This man was also described in some situations as having like a tanned complexion. Some reports say that he looked like he was black or maybe Asian. Yeah. Although John Keel uses some other choice words. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. It's not. No. Different times, though. Different times. Remind yourself. That's true. (laughs) That's true. So this man, he started walking towards Woody's vehicle, and he motioned him to roll his window down. And then he telepathically communicated that he was called cold. Yes. And he meant him no harm. Yeah. So this is... And they actually... 
in the movie. Yeah. They, sh- they have this little encounter briefly. They don't really go into it, but I didn't even know that. Like when I had first seen it as a kid, mm-hmm. I didn't, I had no idea who Andrew Cold was, obviously, until I got older, but right. it's cool how they bring that into the movie a little bit, you know? The movie's pretty good. It I is. wouldn't say it's very accurate to the book. No. But it's no. it's a good movie. It is. I think for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this man, who is Andrew Cold, um, he introduced himself as a searcher, and he had a very soothing, calming presence. Mm-hmm. Throughout the conversation, which, again, remember, is all telepathically, yeah, Cold kept a frozen, very large smile, mm. and he curiously hid his hands beneath his armpits most of the time. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? What? <laughs> Mary Catherine Gallagher. Superstar. Superstar. When sometimes when I get nervous. <laughs> Maybe he does that so he can sniff his armpits. Hey, it's he's injured Cold. He can do whatever the hell he wants. That's right. That's right. Well... Um, after noting that he would come back again, the man who called himself injured cold stepped back into his craft and it rose out of sight. Woody went home and told his wife and daughter basically immediately. Woody's story was corroborated by others that had been in the area. Hmm. People claimed to have seen lights and fluttering vehicles in the same instance on that road. There were also several witnesses that reported seeing Woody stopped on the highway and talking to a man. Some of them said that they saw a flying craft parked on the road, but most of them left that detail out. Oh, so they just saw him speaking to a man? Yeah, that's what a lot of reports Hmm. said. But how would the man be there if it wasn't for the craft? I do not know. Mm -hmm. Well, reports were pouring in of strange lights in the sky and like all these like weird beings this man stuff like that Mm -hmm. all at the same time all at the same place on highway i-77 on that night so there's a lot of shit going down on this stretch of road that's what it seems like oh okay Mm -hmm. woody also sort of felt crazy so at one point he was evaluated by a psychologist and it was found out that he is completely mentally sound yeah and he is telling the truth as he sees it Right. So he uh, he believes what he's experienced is real. Yes. Yeah. So that's his version of the truth, mm-hmm. which who are we to say is not the truth? Exactly. Over the course of the month that followed, Woody claimed that he was visited by Indrid Cold many, many times. And Indrid Cold would just kind of show up at Woody's front door. Mm. His wife and his children even knew that this Indrid Cold was paying him visits and they would eventually come forward to say that they also saw injured cold and they saw other strange beings like him. Yes. Woody's wife was terrified of this man. She said he was very unsettling. She just got a bad vibe from him, didn't like him. Whoa. She also stated that the being him and others that she saw mm-hmm. were much like us. They traveled in everyday cars. He drove a Volkswagen. Yeah. Very fun. Mm-hmm. They dressed in everyday clothes, but they weren't human, and she knew that they weren't human. Yeah, but they looked human, which is the, probably the most scary part for her. I wonder if it was sort of like an Uncanny Valley thing. Do you know what Uncanny Valley is? I don't know. Where like you see like real... um, What's that? Polar Express? That movie, The Polar Express? Oh, yeah. So it's like where animation or robots are like so close to looking like real humans that it's disturbing. Like video games. Yeah. Video games nowadays are like 
basically movies. Right, but it's just not right. Yeah. And it's like Ooh. unsettling. Yeah. It's called the Uncanny Valley. Oh, very I didn't know there was a term for that. Yeah, so I'm wondering if maybe it was that sort of situation yeah. where it's like he looks like a person, but it's just uncomfortable. But it's, yeah, it's like one degree off mm-hmm. and I don't like it. Yeah. Well, at one point, Woody disappeared for six months <laughs> and he said that he was with injured cold. This is what members of his family believed. They swear up and down. They don't even question him. They're like, Woody said he was with injured cold. He was with injured cold. Hmm. And Woody would receive telepathic messages from cold all the time. Mm -hmm. They would also be accompanied by piercing migraine headaches. Yeah, I read that too. He would like warn him, be like, just so you know, this is going to hurt afterwards. Yeah. And then it would be like, I would take it. Totally, me too. Like, I just get migraines yeah. now for no fucking reason. Maybe it's Indra trying to talk to you. Oh, Indra. <laughs> oh, hey. Well, the Derenberger residents would receive strange phone calls at all hours of the day and night. Sometimes there were threats to stop speaking about his experience, mm. which we will get into later. Yep. And then other times there were weird, odd beeps and like electronic hums. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was just silence. And then sometimes it sounded like dial-up internet. Yeah, I think a thing that's very popular with all of the sightings and the weird stuff that's that happened in West Virginia during this time is the phones yeah. were just crazy. Like random calls, finding things in phones that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Static noises. It's it's a, a, a common thing that pops up a lot. There's a point in John Keel's book mm-hmm. where he talks about taking apart like a phone yeah. receiver. Yes. And there's this weird little piece of like a matchstick. Sil- yeah, silver. It's yeah. Like painted silver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, like they were finding these in phones, which makes yeah. no sense. And they couldn't figure out the situation. Yeah. It's all very weird. Very cool. Also to me. <laughs> Just saying. I'm sure it was annoying, but yeah, kind of cool. Super cool. Well, the family had to change their phone number, so they got an unlisted one, but somehow the calls still continued. Of course they did. Of course they did. They were coming from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> the family gained so much media attention from this story that locals and neighbors would flock to the house at all hours of the day and night, and they would wait in crowds in the driveway or like outside the house, Mm -hmm. wherever they could to catch a glimpse of injured cold, this exotic man from an alien planet. Right. I'd do the same thing. Not going to lie. Bunch of looky-loos, my dude. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Woody claimed that he would go meet injured cold at a place called Bogle Ridge. Mm. Bogle Ridge? Bogle. Bogle, Bogle, tomato, tomato. I like Cecil, Cecil. That's right. I'm pulling a Cecil right now. (laughs) People also claimed, like these little looky-loos, mm-hmm. claimed that they saw spaceships landing at this Bogle Ridge. So that's kind of corroborated as well. Mm. On one occasion, two hunters were hiding in the woods by Woody Derenberger's house. Mm. Very strange. They were waiting to see what they saw, and yeah. they had hunting rifles. Jackasses. So whether they were hunting for real or they were just being creeps, yeah, I don't know. But they said that they saw a black Volkswagen enter the front yard and a peculiar man dressed in an all black suit with very tan skin hmm. stepped out and talked with Woody before leaving. The hunters left and they were super disappointed that they didn't see something cooler. 
Joke's on you because you saw the coolest thing you could have seen. Saw the freaking alien and you didn't even know. Mm. Dumbasses. Woody continued his contact with injured Cold for a really long time. Mm. He learned a lot about Cold's home planet of Lanulos, which I love saying. I love it. Lanulos. It reminds me of, so my maiden name is Lanius. Yeah. And if you like move a couple of letters around, it almost kind of looks the same way. And I'm like, hmm, Lanulos Lanius. It's pretty close. You know? You should just hyphenate it. Nicole Lanulos Kelso. (laughs) I should. Well, Lanulos is in the galaxy of Ganymede, which, fun fact here, Ganymede is the name of one of the moons of Saturn, I think. Really? Yes. And Ganymede was, oh, he's from, I think, Greek lore. Mm. I want to say it was Greek. It sounds like it would be like a god or something. No, he was a human that the gods summoned up to their little ethereal situation to be a cup bearer so he would pour wine for the gods oh so he was so special that they were like hey come be here with us yeah Hmm. so that's interesting sort of a fun little tie-in here yeah injured cold also taught woody all about his people and said that they're Mm -hmm. really super friendly and that they come from a place that is less powerful than the united states of america really yes lanulose is less powerful that's what he said I don't know if he said no. it to say, like, to seem more friendly, like you could overpower us at any time. Yeah. But that was in John Keel's book. Hmm. In 1967, Injured Cold took Woody for a ride in his spaceship, which nice. sounds very fun. Yes. He asked where Woody wanted to go, and Woody responded with the Amazon. <laughs> Okay. Injured said no. And <laughs> instead, they visited the oil fields of Iraq and Afghanistan. Interesting. He was just like, nope, we're going to Iraq. Yeah. I also read that um, he had claimed, Woodrow had claimed that Indrid had taken him to Brazil and that he had also described the ship just as being like completely normal on the inside with bunks and like extraterrestrial equipment. Yeah, it was supposed to be super basic. Yeah. On the inside. Yeah. And he tells us one story because I sort of read his book a little bit. And I'm so sorry, and I feel like I'm going to get hate mail for saying this. It was freaking boring. Really? It was, yeah. I couldn't get into it. Maybe I was just kind of like over the whole situation at the moment. It's very, very short book. Like it's, I don't know, maybe like a hundred something pages. Mm, Okay. Yeah. And I found like the PDF online. So I could send it to you if you'd like. But Mm. he, he goes into a lot of detail about all of this stuff. And he said that when he first got onto the ship, he sort of like leaned on the wall with his hand and he yeah. touched this like shiny silver panel and it made the door shut immediately. And he totally panicked and was like, I am being kidnapped. <laughs> and injured cold and his like little first mate guy, yeah. his second in command, started laughing at Woody. Carl. Yeah, Carl. <laughs> Carl is second in command. Um, so they started laughing at Woody, yeah. being like, you idiot. Like, that's just how we shut the door. But yeah, basically. Stupid Woody. Like a classic spaceman prank. <laughs> so I just thought that was fun. That that's hilarious. They're just regular guys joking around in their spaceship. Mm. 
Well, injured Cole decided that he should probably take Woody to his home planet of Lanulos <gasps> also. Oh, that's where I would want to go. If he's like, where do you want to go? He's like, the Amazon on my own planet. I'd be like, no, take me to like the coolest planet you've ever been to that isn't Earth. That's right. Let's right? go to Lanulos. Lanulos. So they went to Lanulos. And on the way there, he told, maybe that's where he was for those six months. Oh. Yeah? What if he has like a family on Lanulos? <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> he's got his second family on <laughs> his second wife. And every time he leaves Lanulos, he's like, I'm just going out for milk. And then, yeah, he comes back just, years just later. Just going to grab a pack of cigarettes. Oh, that's really dark. That's really, I'm sorry. Well, I like it. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Well, on the way to Lanulos, where Woody's second family is, mm-hmm. and told him all about his wife, Kimmy, and their two sons, Connor and Connard, <laughs> and also their daughter, Kimless. Can I just for a second? Please do. <laughs> Connor and Connard. Yes. Are the sons. Yes. Kimmy is the wife. Yes. And the daughter is Kimless? Yes. All of these are the same names. Okay, I'm just gonna put this out there. Human male men name their sons. Yeah. Yep. Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> That's true. I would rather be called Connard than Ken Griffey Jr. That's right. Because there's already a Ken Griffey. So why are you going to name your son Ken Griffey Jr.? And then you're putting him in the weird position because when he has a son, does he name it? Ken Griffey Jr. Jr.? Ken Griffey Jr. Jr. And if you don't, it's an insult to you and your forefathers. Or is it Ken Griffey III.? I like Junior Junior. <laughs> I like Junior Junior. It's way, it's way. They cooler. just continue with that. Junior Junior Junior. Mm-hmm. Junior 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 Junior. Yes, and then eventually, just to throw them off, they throw in a senior. So it's like mm. Ken Griffey Junior 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 Senior Junior. <laughs> just to sort of mix it up because it gets boring. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think we have any room to talk about Connor and Connard. We don't. We really don't. We super don't. So. <laughs> Well, on their way to Lanulos, Cold also introduced Woody to Carl Ardo. Yay, Carl. We love Carl here, who's the second in command of Injured Cold Spaceship. Mm. They also were introduced, well, he was introduced to crew members Tony, spelled T-O-N-N-I, which is very mm. fun. Super fun. And Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> and Daryl. And Daryl. When they reached Lanulos, Cold introduced Woody to a man named Demo Hassan and a couple from Venus named Jitro and Elvian Kluta, Elvain? we're going to say. Elvain? I'm so sorry. I'm not from Venus. So You're I'm not a Venusian? I'm not. I'm <laughs> super sorry. So if I, if any of our Venusian listeners are offended, <laughs> I'm so sorry. So the name of this couple from Venus is Jitro and Elvian. Anyways. Never. They're from Venus and they're tall and beautiful. That's all you got to know. That's Everyone from Venus is tall and beautiful. Sums it up. Mm-hmm. Lanulos is 14.6 light years from Earth. I was trying mm-hmm. to figure out how far Pluto is from Earth. Yeah. It's like super close, comparatively how many light- speaking. How many light it's years? like 0.0006 light years. Oh, shit. Yeah. So Lanulos is super crazy far away. So many light years. Yeah, it's super far. And according to Injured Cold, it was originally settled by Earthlings, which is very interesting to me 
Because does this mean that humans have had the ability to travel through space in the past and we've somehow lost this knowledge? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't seem right. Unless there's like another Earth. Like this is Earth and he's talk- He's trying to think about like Earth or something. Earth 2. Oh, Earth- we're Earth Junior. <laughs> Are we Earth Junior? We're Earth Junior. Oh, no. We're like... We're like the kid out of the Earths. That's like the the baby, like the fuck up, you know? Oh, totally. Like all of the other Earths are already way more advanced mm-hmm. and we're just like the shitty child. Right. Like mm-hmm. we still need like Velcro shoes. Not because we don't know how to tie our shoes, but mm-hmm. because we don't want to. Exactly. Yeah. That's us. That's this Earth. <laughs> that's us. Earth Junior Junior. <laughs> Lanulo's kind of seems like what i imagine like early earth was like before we fucked it up yes it's supposed to be super dense lush tropical forest sort of like the rainforest right and it only has three seasons which they call planting harvest and cold oh Hmm. i like that the the last name cold comes from that but yeah the oh like a john snow thing yeah oh that's clever i feel like lanulose is what our earth should be or should be like gearing like going towards but we currently have a government who believes global warming is a hoax perpetrated by the chinese oh boy so i mean don't know how how that's gonna happen don't add us but we think that that's true and the government's terrible and they don't believe in global warming and it's very real yeah don't at me or do i don't care Because the people of Lanulos came from Earth originally, hmm. they are able to pass for humans super, super easily. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so they might be like kind of walking around right now. That's and what I don't know. Yeah, I like to believe that myself. Like if you ever see someone in metallics, but it's like definitely spring, which is not the season yeah. for metallics, mm. you know. With super beautifully tanned skin that oh. isn't necessarily dark. But it's not white. It's like a mixture in between. Like the perfect. The perfect skin. Yeah. If you see anyone with really great skin and wearing (laughs) metallics. And smiling really big. They're an alien. They're aliens. They absolutely are. The people of Lanulos also wanted to establish trade routes with Earth, but their attempts were rebuffed by the American government. Shocker. Right? American government officials were unwilling to guarantee the safety of the Lanulosians. And like through space? I guess so. Or maybe just on our planet. Oh. Is what well, I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, don't tread on me, style. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, if you land here, you best get off my property. Get off my planet, boy. Yep. Something terrible like that. Yep, sounds right. Well, on occasion, the Lanulosians had attempted to land on Earth, and they were met with hostility. Mm. Andrew Cold even told Woody that he had received wounds from a shotgun on one occasion. <laughs> sounds about right. Which I very much believe yeah. probably happened, especially yes. if you're landing in the South. Mm-hmm. Like, just... I mean, I guess the Midwest isn't safe either. Go to California, guys. You're going to be fine there. Go to Canada. Just bypass America altogether. You don't need us. (laughs) The Lanulosians believe in a god or an almighty creator. Okay. They believe in marriage, which Hmm. is sort of cute. They are very, very non-hostile. They don't believe in war. Super peaceful people. And they love walking around in the nude. (laughs) 
Yeah, I read that when uh, Woodrow went to Lanulos, he said that people around were just almost completely naked. Yeah. Which is amazing. I think it's sort of fun. And also, they live to be like 125 to 175 Earth years. Wow. So if you have the confidence to walk around nude at 125. (laughs) Or 175. You've earned it, baby. Hell yes. Get it, Carl. Injured Cold and Woody kept in contact for years and years and years. And Injured even supposedly owned a house in West Virginia, I saw, and they would write each other letters. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. I saw that in like a couple places, but it wasn't yeah. in Keel's book, and I didn't see it in, in Woody's Wood- book. Oh. Hmm. So I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. We'll just leave that as like a maybe Possibly. Land is cheap there. Maybe he did. Yeah. Who knows? Well, Woody told his story frequently over the next few years on Mm. radio, television shows, and to pretty much any reporter in the whole wide world. Yeah. Eventually, he met John Keel, who would go on to write the story into the Mothman prophecies, and that's where it really blew up. Yeah. And it's funny because John Keel actually thought that the whole Indrid Cold story was bogus. Yeah. But he said that the original story had had some substance to it because of Woodrow and how he was, you know, he was scared enough. He went to the police Mm -hmm. and he just, he really thought it it was true and that he had experienced it. But John Keel also thought that uh, Woody was a pathological liar, which I find kind of funny. I guess. So, well, like you said with, how Woody wrote his book, Visitors from Lanulos. Mm-hmm. His daughter, Tanya, actually has written books as well. Yes. Her first book um, is called Beyond Lanulos, Our 50 Years with Indrid Cold. And she's supposedly writing another one called Indrid Cold Manor Myth, but she's kind of dragging her feet with that. She has a whole Facebook page dedicated to like this book and her updates and stuff. Yeah. I liked it. You should like it. Did you? It. Yeah. Tanya's an interesting bird, and I'm that's all I'm going to say about her. But on one of her Facebook pages, she wrote actually that Indrid Cold is now dead. What? Yeah. So she so this is taken from her Facebook page um, from September of 2018, and this oh, is no. a quote. She says, "This just in: I received two visitors carrying some devastating news. Indrid Cold, age 92." Demo Hassan and Carl Ardo Carl. died today. Carl, I know. When I have more info, I will pass it along. Did she update it? or you... She hasn't. But so she claims that Indrid's sons, Connor and Connard, came to her in the middle of the night and uh-huh. told her that Indrid was chasing a humanoid ship and his ship crashed into another humanoid ship. Okay. And that they both burst into flames and everyone died. But she also said that it might be possible that Indrid faked his death to get out of the limelight. That would make sense to me, because if you're like an intergalactic being and your face is plastered all over the internet, like you don't want that. A lot of people know what Indrid Gold looks like, and apparently his smile is very significant. So I've heard it's breathtaking. She also says that Connor and Connor, like you said, they just look like normal people. One is dark hair, one is light hair, and she claims that they visit her for Christmas, 
her birthday and even Mother's Day. That's so nice. It's so sweet. She like basically says that they're just like very like generous, well-rounded boys. That's and they visit her all the time apparently. So all of this information kind of comes from Hellier season two, which I talked about Hellier in our Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins right. episode. I suggest you watch it. It's two seasons. I'm obsessed with it. So the Hellier crew goes and they interview Tanya. And because season two kind of brings them to Point Pleasant with Mothman. Right. Season so they two, start with Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins and then they go to Mothman. Right. Yeah. From what I get. I haven't watched season two, mm-hmm. um, but it's pretty much all about this story. Yeah, it is. So they go to interview her and she's in a nursing home. And I'm so I'm not sure how she's getting these visitations. Maybe they're sneaking in. I don't know. But she very much believes the story and has had contact with the colds and is still to this day talking to them and they're visiting her. So even in the show, they ask her why she thinks like why West Virginia okay she claims that the Appalachian Mountains are why all of this activity happens because they can hide in the mountains makes sense yeah it makes a lot of sense have you seen the Appalachian Mountains no they're very beautiful and they are very mountainous very dense yeah it's like tons and tons of like tiny little towns Mm -hmm. and then just dense forests and like weird it's very almost otherworldly itself. So the perfect place for aliens. <laughs> I mean, if you want to land somewhere and not get seen, I would say mountains and forests are probably the way to go. Absolutely. Hi, this is Cassidy from Drinking the Kool-Aid, a new podcast that's dedicated to the mysterious. If you're into things like conspiracy, true crime, paranormal, and anything creepy, you're definitely going to want to find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. With new episodes every Wednesday, you can hear two intriguing stories that are bound to keep you guessing. We'll see you then, and don't forget to keep drinking the Kool-Aid. All right, so now we've heard about the Flatwoods Monster Mm -hmm. and my boy Indred. Yes. I think we should probably talk about another very important story, which is Men in Black. Yes. The Men in Black, I'm sure everyone's familiar with the concept of the Men in Black, thanks to Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. (laughs) However, that movie doesn't exactly portray an accurate representation of the concept and what they actually really were. What? Right? Movies aren't real? I don't believe that. So what do we know about the Men in Black? We know that they are always seen wearing black suits. Similar to the movie. They're always seen... Sometimes they're seen wearing black hats, sometimes black sunglasses. Yes. It's very like a 1950s, like either reporter or like private eye situation. Like the trench is happening, the suit's happening, the glasses. They're very like incognito. Yes. They're also seen driving black sedans and usually come in groups of two or three at a time. So the men in black are known to show up after a UFO has been sighted. Usually they come and they ask the witnesses what they've seen and sometimes even threaten them to never speak again, which is what you mentioned. Right. There seems to be a lot of that in this story Mm -hmm. to a lot of people. So Woodrow Derenberger, who we just learned about, 
said that two men even came to him and told him to forget everything he'd seen after his android cold experience. Yeah. And he described them as being short and stocky, dressed in black suits, Mm -hmm. and they had olive complexions, which is a theme that we see a lot. Yes. Sometimes they're described as being like not just, I guess, like not white if you will it's almost like a culmination of like all races put into one that's exactly what i was just going to say i was going to say it what it seems like is that if you took every race on earth yes and mixed it like a perfect combination of all of them yeah almost like i'm just gonna put this out there like some sort of like alien race was like Mm -hmm. hmm, all these people on earth look different let's just combine them into something that they definitely know and again we hit the uncanny valley where it doesn't really look normal yeah they look like humans but they're off or what if they started as us and they just became such an advanced race that eventually that's just what everyone looks like now instead of having separate yeah you know different races and where people live everyone's just kind of like together as one like yeah because they've i mean if if we ever get there, which doesn't look like we're about to, but if we ever get to the advancement of where we're just, we're all peace, right? everything, is, you know? If we ever decide to stop warring and murdering um, <laughs> and just hop into this little hot tub melting pot, we could also be men in black. That's mm. a life goal. Men in black. So Woodrow also described them as kind of being mafia-like. And another interesting thing is that every time Woodrow moved, the men in black always found him. Even the group of people who witnessed the Flatwoods monster, they had men come to them as well. I want to point something out here that Woody and his family did move Mm -hmm. because they were being harassed by people. They were being harassed by these men in black. They changed their phone numbers a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. And somehow these men in black still got their phone numbers. Always found them. Woody said that he would mail letters all the time, even sometimes like Mm -hmm. checks to like pay bills and stuff. Yeah. And they would never get to their intended destination. (laughs) Intercepted. Yeah. So they would steal his mail, which would drive me absolutely insane. (laughs) Like things All of would... your crayons are going to be taken. No, it's just going to be the yellow and the white one. And you can't even write on any kind of paper with those. <laughs> Ridiculous. So, yeah, all his stuff would, like, go missing from his house. He thought he was sort of going insane at some times. Well, maybe it was just the men in black. So some people believe that the men in black are agents working for the government. Probably because of the Men in Black movie with Will Smith. But <laughs> just based on the fact that they also look like FBI agents, I think is also another reason why people just chalk them up to being FBI agents. Probably. If you see someone that looks like an authority figure in a suit, yeah, you're just going to assume it's a government thing. Exactly. Other people aren't so convinced and instead believe that these Men in Black are actually not from this world. A.K.A. they are aliens among us. Again, the call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) Now, people who have encountered these men say they sometimes appear otherworldly in a sense that they look like people, but they don't look like people. Like you were saying before with... Right. Uncanny Valley. Uncanny Valley. just a little bit off. Mm -hmm. But... Sometimes people describe them as having glowing eyes. Not like glowing in the sense where it's like 
Flatwoods Monster glowing, but yeah. kind of like shiny, shimmery. Like a luminescent Yes, yes. They're also said to behave very differently and not human-like at all. So in the Mothman Prophecies book by John Keel, he describes one instance where a man in black was interviewing a person and they went to shake this man's hand. And instead of this man, you know, giving the hand to shake like a normal person would, the man in black extended his pointer finger and middle finger and thumb and shook it that way, almost as if it was like a finger gun. <laughs> like, hey, which I think is hilarious. Sometimes these men in black are even said to dress in actual military or Air Force uniforms, but there's always something off about the uniforms. So right. sometimes they'll have a certain badge in the wrong place, or they could be wearing completely different shoes from what is like standard issue, you know? Right. So like a military man rolls up to your house. Mm-hmm. He comes out, he's wearing like full like dress blues, like he's a Marine or whatever, yeah. right? Also flip-flops, okay, <laughs> goes to shake your hand, just gives you his pinky and his thumb. You don't know what to do with this. Is he telling you to hang loose or does he want to shake your hand? You don't know. And also another thing that they say is that their voices are very, very weird. Yeah, like sing-songy. Yeah, either they're like a sing-song thing or it's almost like they struggle to speak. Yeah. So going back to the movie Men in Black, mm-hmm. do you remember the guy that goes in and asks for the cup of sugar water? Yeah, he's like, water. Yeah, so yeah. they're described a lot of times like that too. So when they go to speak, it'll be like, look, Cole, I just want to tell you that yeah. you have hands or something. <laughs> I don't know, whatever they're saying. Yeah. Um, so it's like the voice is just doesn't make any sense. Right. It's just something about them isn't right. And you get this overwhelming sense of like, I'm in danger. Exactly. So a woman named Ralph Butler, and that is her name. Her name is Ralph. I like it. She's from Awatona, Minnesota. And she claimed that an officer named Richard French came to visit her in May of 1967. And he fit the description of a man in black. She says that he was around five foot nine, had an olive complexion with long, dark hair and a pointed face. That's another thing. They always pointed faces. Yeah, like really angular. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, he was just a normal man until she offered him some jello. Classic. She says that this man was confused by the jello and tried to drink it, which you can drink jello. Right. But I mean, I guess it's not normal. But in like the 1960s in America, jello was like a hot ticket item. True. Everyone you- knew what jello was. Yes. <laughs> So this is another common thing for men in black. They usually have very odd eating behaviors and are known to not know how to use cutlery and that they tend to swallow their food just whole and not chew it at all. There is a story in John Keel's book where he says that a man in black goes into like a little diner mm-hmm. and he sits down and he says food. <laughs> And the lady's like, okay, well, I'll give you a menu. And she asks him what he'd like to order. And mm-hmm. he just says, food. Yeah. So she brings him a steak because it's the 60s and he's a man. 
and he just has no idea what to do with this thing so he's like fumbling around with his fork and his knife like seeing other people use this but not grasping it Mm -hmm. so she teaches this man scare quotes man how to use a knife and fork and then he practically swallows this steak whole yep so if you see that kind of behavior alien maybe just call john keel but ghostbusters ghostbusters i think they're still active yeah yeah call ghostbusters another creepy thing that these strange men do is they've been known to just take random pictures Sometimes they do it in an act to disorient the person or make them lose sight by flashing the flash into their eyes. They also sometimes have been seen taking pictures of people's houses who have been witness to strange things. Terrifying. Creepy. That'd be so scary. So, I mean, we've mentioned John Keel this whole time because obviously how can you not? But he was actually the person who coined the term men in black. Really? And he was known to straight up chase these guys. Keel. Keel. Exactly. So Keel, being the paranormal slash UFO investigator that he was, he had his fair share of run-ins with these guys. He had a lot of relationships with people in West Virginia and Ohio around the time he was investigating, and these people would give him a call if the men in black were at their house questioning them. And Keel would always rush out to try to get to their residence, to try to confront them. But every time he got there, they'd always be gone. That's insane. He was also the one to point out that they drove the black sedans. So they started usually as old Cadillacs, always black. Right. But once Keel made this fact clear to the public, they switched to their car brand and started driving Volkswagens instead. Really? Yeah. So we talk a lot about men in black. But women were actually known to go around as well. Okay, so they're like sort of a modern club. Well, my theory is that back in the time, most people who had a job in the military or police or any official position Mm -hmm. were always men, right? I mean, it's just that was the times. Right. It was a man's world in the 60s. Right. But a mysterious blonde woman was also called out really as going and investigating around. So she was said to be in her 30s. Mm-hmm. She had a southern accent. Okay. And she went around to people in West Virginia and Ohio after Keel interviewed them, and she claimed to be his secretary. You know what? It was Dolly Parton. That's the only logical blonde in her 30s in the 60s southern accent super pretty claims to be john keel's secretary who is it dolly parton that's what that movie nine to five is all about she was saying something about a woman named jolene (laughs) it got dark she'd ask the witnesses personal questions that she would read off of a clipboard very official yep questions about their jobs about their health the type of cars they owned, their families, and also about the strange things they had witnessed. Just going to slide that in there. Oh, convenient. Right. She was actually able to fly under the radar because she was, one, a woman. Mm-hmm. People trusted her. Right. 
And two, because she mentioned John Keel and these people had no reason to believe that she wasn't actually working with him. Right. And again, in the 60s, I'm sure it would be normal for a man Mm -hmm. to send his, quote, girl out to do his assistant. Yeah. Right. Like some like some background information. And she's got a clipboard. Exactly. So that's pretty official. So these people kind of like would call John Keel and he was like, I don't have an assistant. What are you talking about? And then it became, oh, so now there's a woman going around type of thing. So very interesting. Now, before we make our way over to Point Pleasant and get to our main guy, Mothman, Mothman. which we'll get all of the, into all of that in part two, I want to talk about my favorite men in black encounter that I read okay. while doing my research. So Mary Heyer. I love Mary Heyer. Amazing. We're going to get into all of her when we get to Point Pleasant with Mothman. But just to do a brief introduction, Mary Heyer was a newspaper reporter for the Athens Messenger, which was kind of like the daily newspaper around the area. She was also the manager of their office in downtown Point Pleasant. So she's kind of in the thick of things, everything that's happening. So she had quite a bit of a couple run-ins with these men in black, but this one is by far the best. Like I said previously, listening to Mothman Prophecies on audio tape, (laughs) I was driving when I heard this and I basically lost my shit. Dude, me too. I was like, how do we put a picture of Mary Heyer on a prayer candle? (laughs) Because to be honest, she is a new saint for me. Yes. So... On a night in January in 1967, this is before everything goes down in Point Pleasant, Mary was working in the office when a strange man walked in through the front door. She said he was very short, about four feet, six inches. and that, So small. So small. And that he had weird deep set eyes that were covered by thick lensed glasses. She also said that he was wearing very strange shoes that had very thick soles. Platform flip-flops. Exactly. Well, she said that it, it probably added about an inch or two to his height. So picture him being even shorter than four oh. six. Oh, no. She also said he had long black hair and that it was cut squarely like like a bowl cut. Okay. So this is the character from The Incredibles. Yeah. So if you're picturing this man, it's already hilarious. Okay. So she says that she, he spoke in a very odd, low-halted voice like you were describing before. Right. And he asked her for directions to Welsh, West Virginia. She said with each word he spoke, he moved closer and closer to her, but he stared directly into her eyes, almost as if he were, like, trying to hypnotize her. No, that's not unsettling. Right. She's by herself also. So she was very put off by this man. So she was like, hold on one minute. So she went in the back and got the newspaper circulation manager and brought him up front with her to talk to this man. So she said that while they were speaking to this man, her telephone rang. So she goes to pick it up. While she's answering the phone, the strange man picks up a ballpoint pen from her desk and he looks at it as if he had never seen anything like it before and was just (laughs) completely amazed by it. Yeah. So she says he then took the pen, laughed maniacally, and ran out of the office, and she never saw him again. (laughs) And I just burst out laughing when I listened to that, because I just, like, tried to reenact the laugh. But I want to think, I want to hear what you would have, like, what the laugh sounds like in your head. Okay. 
All right. So I'm pretty sure I paused this uh-huh. when I was listening to this part. And then did it yourself? And then did it out loud. I did it too. <laughs> Mary. Oh, hot. Higher. I'm, I'm down here. Look down here. <laughs> Mary. Is this... What is this? A, a pen? A pen? A, 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 or is this a... <laughs> and then he runs away. Yeah. You want to hear my laugh? I want to hear it. You All do right. uh, You do the scariest noises, so I'm so ready for this. <laughs> I picture that he was like looking at this pen, and then all of a sudden he was like... <laughs> and like ran away. <laughs> That's my laugh. And I'm pretty sure I just <laughs> shot snot out of my nose as I did that. So he cackles like a goblin. And runs away. In his platform flip-flops and, <laughs> and they're like bowl cut. Blah, 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 blah. and his like little bowl cuts like, like flapping in the wind and he's looking at this beautiful pen and mary hires standing there like what the fuck <laughs> and the worst part is it was a prank call that she had to pick up so she didn't even get like to see this close up right oh my god yeah yeah he seems very cool and honestly <laughs> i would love to see that right. i really would Mary Heyer is one of my favorite characters yes. in this whole story. Yeah. And like Nicole said, we are going to talk about her so much more because she's pretty important yeah. to this I'm whole situation. I'm actually kind of mad they didn't bring put her in the movie. She deserved a full she spot. should have been, Laura Linney should have been her, but whatever. whatever. That's fine. We're going to do a reboot. <laughs> You're the reboot. It's 2020. We're yes. going to reboot Mothman Prophecies. And we're going to give Mary the starring role. Yes. Yeah, I think she deserves it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say we wrap up part one here. Of yeah. The whole Mothman, injured, cold, Point Pleasant situation. Agreed. We will pick up part two next week. So stick around for that where we take a little road trip. To Point Pleasant. To Point Pleasant. And meet my favorite man. The Mothman. Mothman. Do we have a listener mail to I, read? I do have a listener mail from okay. one of our listeners named Ashley, but I think we should save it for, for the, end. Yeah, the end of part two. Okay. So we will pick that up then. Um, if you guys want to do some independent research in the meantime... I highly recommend listening or reading. (laughs) If you've got the time to read. Who doesn't? Um, John Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies. You can find a PDF of Woodrow Derenberger's book online, too. I'm going to read that. It's rough. Um, (laughs) And then also his daughter... Tanya. She has a book too, which from what I understand from the Amazon reviews is extremely short and people finish in about 45 minutes. (laughs) She's writing another one apparently. Nobody knows. Well, check those out. Also, I mean, obviously we're going to put all of our source material in the show notes for this one. Check out season two of Hellier. Also, I I will never not recommend Hellier. I will check that out (laughs) later today, probably. But also if you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe. So you can hear more. Yes. Um, okay. I'm just going to put this out there. If you mm-hmm. leave us a five-star review. Oh, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? And you have to write a written review. Mm-hmm. And then either email us to let us know or slippery slide into my DMs. Mm-hmm. Well, I just bought all these crayons. So I feel like I should do more crayon stuff. <laughs> that be crayon related. 
I can either, I will give you options here, people. I will carve your name into a crayon, which I do not guarantee that that will look good. <laughs> okay. Or I will just mail you a crayon. I'll, I'll bite the crayon. So you'll have my teeth imprint into the crayon. There'll be Nicole DNA on it. You can clone her. And then we'll send it to you. And you'll have your very own Nicole. If you want. And if I ever, like, kill someone or you need my, like, dental records for something, you'll have it. That's perfect. If you ever need to frame Nicole's teeth for a murder, Mm -hmm. it's all yours. (laughs) Then we will mail you a crayon Mm -hmm. with Nicole's bite marks in it. And stickers. We just got our stickers. Stickers. That's the most important part. Super cool. And this (laughs) DNA crayon was so weird. Um, So, yeah, we really appreciate it. We love it. If you leave us a review, that'd be super great. And then also, if you want to tell us any cool stories, yeah. Um, if maybe you've seen Mothman or the <gasps> Flatwood Monster, or you really mm. love Laura Linney or hate her, um, <laughs> let us know. Send us your listener lore, listener mail at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. And follow us on all of the social meds, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Quite Unusual Pod. We have a Facebook group. Join mm-hmm. us. Join us. Join us. And as always, remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. Bye.